I, I like this kid's letter to Santa. Dear Santa, there are three boys who live in this house. Jeffrey is two, David is four, Norman is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. Norman is good all the time. I am Norman. Well, that points out a truth about Christmas is that Christmas has always divided people. The entry of Jesus into this world was very divisive. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. That's the first Christmas scene. Now over the next three weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to visit three Christmas towns. We're going, first of all, to Jerusalem. Next week, we'll visit Nazareth. And the Sunday before Christmas, we'll be in Bethlehem. And here's what's going to happen. In each one of these towns, there is going to be a question posed to us. A very serious question. And here's Jerusalem's question. Will you accept a new king? That's the question that Jerusalem wrestled with. You see, the Magi did not say we are looking for a new kid. They said we are looking for a new king. When we come to celebrate today, we don't say we celebrate Jesus must. We celebrate Christmas. You see, Jesus means Savior. Christ means anointed. It means king. And so we come together today proclaiming that Jesus came. You need to understand this. Jesus came both as Redeemer and Ruler. You got that? Redeemer and Ruler. Now, we embrace the fact that He's the Redeemer. But we shudder at the fact, and as these people will see today, are disturbed by the fact that Jesus claims to be Ruler. You see, Jesus had a favorite sermon. Every preacher's got a favorite sermon. And if you read the Gospels, here's Jesus' favorite sermon. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a couple of disturbing words there. One is kingdom. If you've got a kingdom, it implies you have a king. And Jesus claims that he's it. The other disturbing word there is repent. And that means that this king is going to ask you and me to change. You see, let's be honest. We don't resent the fact that Jesus came as a baby, but we can resent the fact that Jesus came as a king. My good friend, Rick Ashley, who really gave me some of the seed thoughts for this uh, message series, put it this way. Jesus wasn't crucified for telling people to be nice. He was crucified because... The powers to be knew exactly what it was he was called to be. He was called to be king, and he was sovereign over everything. That's why he was crucified. Why? Because as king, he demanded first place, first allegiance, and absolute submission. So, here's the deal. Nobody grasped that fact quicker than Jerusalem. They got it, and they wrestled with it. And so here's what we're looking for. As we go to Jerusalem today, we're looking for three reactions 
to the news of a new king. And they're the same reactions that we could have today as we think about Jesus coming into this world as being our king. Number one, this may surprise you, some abhorred him. They abhorred him. Now you say, buddy, that's a really, really strong word. Well, if you'll see the story, it's not too strong. I mean, listen to what's said in Matthew 2, verse 3, next verse. When Herod, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. Now, why is King Herod disturbed? Because he knows his power is threatened. We know people who love power. We know people who abuse power. You put them in a situation of power, and they're going to abuse it. Uh, I like the story of the man who goes to the doctor to have a mole removed from his hand. He goes to the doctor, they put him in a room, and a big strong nurse comes in the room and says, I I need you to walk down the hall, three doors to the right, I need you to take your clothes off and wait for the doctor. He said, ma'am, I've just come to get a mole removed from my hand. Listen to me, sir. This is what I'm telling you to do. Walk down down the hall, three doors to the right, get in that room and take your clothes off. Well, he, he walks in there, and when he gets in the room, there's another man there in his boxers. And he says to him, he says, that woman down the hall, she is mean. And the man in the boxer says, tell me, I'm the UPS man. I mean, some people, if you put them in positions of power, they are, pro- they are prone to abuse it. And guys, that's the picture of Herod. Well, what do we know about King Herod? King Herod ruled for over 40 years. He called himself the king of the Jews. And he was ruthless. He would do anything to hold on to power. Listen to the list of people we know he murdered in his family. He murdered his brother-in-law. Well, maybe that's understandable, all right? He murdered his mother-in-law. He murdered one of his wives. He murdered three of his sons because he considered them a threat. And Caesar, who wasn't exactly Mr. Genealogy, uh, what am I trying to say? Congeniality, I knew there was a better word than genealogy, who wasn't exactly Mr. Congeniality himself said, it's better to be Herod's dog than to be one of Herod's wives. He was a cruel man. And that's why he abhorred Jesus. He abhorred Jesus because Jesus came and Jesus stepped on his power. So what's his problem? His problem is he's too power hungry. And so that's ancient history. You've been watching Syria lately? President, yeah, President Assad, his power is threatened. So what does he do? He murders his own people. He gasses his own children of his country. People can get in positions of power, and here's their mode of operation. I will eliminate any threat. And that's how Herod behaved. Now, he tries to be subtle about it. He pulls the Magi in. He says, I know you guys are going to Bethlehem, and I know you're going to find him. And here's the deal. When you find him, if you'll just come back and report to me, because I would like to go and worship him too. What a liar. He don't want to worship him. He wants to murder him. 
And so God intervenes, and God sends the wise men on a different route home, and he sends Joseph and Mary and Jesus to Egypt, and Herod falls back on his mode of operation. He goes to Bethlehem and murders every child two years old or younger. Now, my friends, you can go to Hallmark and look as long as you want, but you're not going to find this picture on a Christmas card. You've got a raging monarch, you've got a fugitive family, and you've got a, bra- a graveyard outside of Bethlehem full of little baby boys. It's an awful scene because he would not let go of his power. Now, here's the surprise under this point. The Herod spirit lives today. We still don't like the idea of a new king. What is human nature when somebody tells you what to do? Well, we're naturally rebellious. We don't like somebody telling us what to do. The preacher said last week, get to church on time. So you came even later this morning, right? We don't like people telling us what to do. And guys, that's why Jesus is so controversial. And here's the deal, guys. I'm afraid the world may understand this better than we understand it. Why is our culture becoming increasingly hesitant to have someone publicly pray in Jesus' name? Because they know there's authority behind that name. Why is it controversial to teach Jesus' message? Because we know that he calls for repentance. Why does Hollywood fight Christianity as much or more than any other section of our country? And I know there's, I know there's exceptions there. I'm not trying to make a blanket statement. Why? Because Hollywood has a lifestyle that knows if Jesus is proclaimed as king, we'll be interrupted. So it's still controversial. Because we want to be king. It's still disturbing. It disturbed Herod and all of Jerusalem. And it disturbs us because we know for Jesus to come in my life as king means that I can't do what I want to do. Because here's the American spirit. I want to date who I want to date. I want to marry who I want to marry. I want to spend my money the way I want to spend my money. I want to party the way I want to party. I want to have sex with who I want to have sex with. I want to spend my time any way I want to spend my time. And I want to go to church when I feel like it. Don't tell me what to do. And so today... Maybe we don't understand it as well as the world because we enjoy the Christmas decorations and we're thrilled tonight about the children's play and we love seeing family and friends, but are we really seeing the truth that Jesus is coming as King? Let's at least give King Herod some credit. He understood the implications of Jesus' arrival. The question this morning is, do we? So some just abhorred him. Some still abhor him today. But our second answer is probably the most popular. Most simply 
ignored him. It's sort of amazing because if you read here, you know, they're waiting. They're waiting on Jesus to come. They've been waiting on centuries for the Messiah. You and Herod begins to ask around about it. They know the scriptures. I mean, listen to Matthew chapter 2. Look at verses 4 through 6 with me. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. They have no problem answering this question. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for that is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler, a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They knew the facts. They knew where he was supposed to be born. Supposedly, they'd been waiting for centuries. And then the Magi come and words out on the street that maybe he's here. And then the king gets upset and words on the street that he thinks there's a threat. And yet very few make the trip. In fact, the religious folks, the religious leaders don't make the trip. It's the shepherds. Why don't many make the trip? Why do some just ignore it? I mean, they're not anti-Jesus. They're not, they just ignore it. Here's the answer under number two. They were, they were just too busy to search for a new king. You ever been so busy or you thought you were so busy you missed something you wish you hadn't missed? One of my regrets in life is that when I was a teenager, Elvis Presley came to Garrett Coliseum. And I had a chance to go. I lived less than a mile from Garrett Coliseum. And I didn't go to see the king of rock and roll. Not that I'm a huge Elvis fan. I just think it'd be cool to say I was there. And that's what happens in our life so often is that we just get so busy. Somebody can be a mile away, or you know Bethlehem's very few miles away from Jerusalem. I mean, this is the real king. I mean, this is the coming Messiah, and these dudes are just too busy to go see him. And so here's our surprise under this point. The devout miss out and the despised show up. Here's the shocker. The most devout the one who knew the scriptures the best, the one who knew the details of the prophecy that should have said, oh yes, go to Bethlehem, it's worth the look. They don't show up and God calls these shepherds. I mean, these guys are looked at as the most despised in culture. Their testimony is not even accepted in a court of law. They're the ones who go and celebrate the coming king. Which goes to say to us as religious people that we need to be careful Because it's possible to know the Bible and ignore the king. It's possible to memorize facts about Christmas and still miss out on the meaning of Christmas. In fact, listen to this passage. Jesus said this to some folks in John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. Listen to this. This is really convicting. You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. Now I'm thinking, Jesus, what's the problem with that? Sounds right. And then he says these. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. What's he saying? You knew the Bible, but you did not recognize the king. You knew the facts, but you didn't know the heart of God. And today, we need to be very careful. 
that we can know all the facts, especially this time of year. It's like, okay, here we go, Christmas all over again. I know the story, read the story, going to the play, you know, singing the songs. Isn't that awesome? But maybe we're like um, this little girl. They had uh, packed up Christmas 1st of January and had it all in the attic. At least that's what mom thought. The little four-year-old girl ran to the kitchen holding the baby Jesus and said, Mom, Mom, we forgot to pack Jesus. And the mom had a moment of conviction that she had forgotten to pack Jesus and that often that's what she actually did in her life. We can put Jesus aside, sweet little baby Jesus. Okay with that, man, but Jesus moved into my life to be king? I'd rather just ignore it. Because here's the truth. Most of us aren't like Herod in this room. Most of us don't abhor the thought of Jesus. Most of us don't hate the thoughts about Jesus. Most of us, if we're not careful, we just don't think about Jesus. And that's just as dangerous. So some ignored him. Some abhorred him. But here's the cool deal. There were a few who adored him. There were some that were truly waiting with excitement and amazement of Jesus coming. Let's go to really cool scripture now. Let's go over to the book of Luke for a moment. Look at verse in Luke, and we're going we're gonna to meet really odd characters here. But these are the guys who get it. First of all, Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the priest brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised You may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. What a great character. Simeon's an old man, and God has promised him, you're not going to die till you see this baby. Now, we, we've, we've heard this story, so we're not too shocked about it, but, but some of you mothers, if you were to walk out in the foyer today with your newborn baby, and some old man would come grab that baby and start dancing around the foyer saying, I can die now, I can die now, what would you think? I'm thinking pepper spray, right? I mean, this guy's sort of odd. I mean, he grabs this baby and he's dancing around celebrating and saying it's time for his funeral. But he adored him. And then there's another character here, Anna. She's not exactly normal herself. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Listen to this. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Wow. This old lady, 
She doesn't do anything but hang out at church and pray and fast and worship. Isn't that amazing? Why did they adore him? They adored him because they were too in awe of him not to worship him. Now let's be honest about these guys. These guys are a little bit weird. Simeon and Anna are weird characters. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird that the weird are the one who get it? Let me tell you something. If for some reason God calls you to move from Montgomery and you're looking for a new church, let me give you some advice. Look for a church with some weird people in it. Because sometimes the weird get it. We got some weird folks here, don't you think? One of you is going, no, I don't know any weird folks here. Maybe that's saying something, all right? <laughs> Why? Because it's the weird people who are most open, honestly, to God coming in. It's often weird people who aren't so wrapped up in this world that they can listen to God. It's often the weird people who aren't happy with the status quo who are looking for something better. It's the weird people who embrace someone and a new king from God. Because these guys, they're not embarrassed to dance in the temple holding the baby and saying, I'm going to die. They're not embarrassed if somebody thinks they're weird hanging out every day in the temple worshiping and praying when their friends got to think, what's your problem? Because they're in awe. I do think about what's going on in South Africa now with the death of Nelson Mandela. Now, he wasn't a perfect man, but my goodness, you ever read his autobiography, The Long Walk to Freedom? He was an incredible man. And you see the outpouring of love and awe to that man. People don't care what you think about them. They're not inhibited by how they rejoice about his life and mourn about his death. Because they're in awe. Can you imagine how weird we ought to be who are in awe of a new king? We rejoice because we know there's a new king in town. And if there's a new king in town, all of our false gods are going to fall down. There are so many false idols that we have. There are so many imposter kings all around us. And guys, when we embrace the new king, we will see that human ego and materialism and achievement and power and money don't stand up to this king. And that the things that we fear, like death, are okay if we know this king. You see, Simeon and Anna are willing to live and to die in peace because they finally embraced the king. I would say to you today, if you will embrace this king, you will be at a point that you are willing to really live and really die. Because all the imposter kings have lost their power. So here's the surprise. You see it on the screen. It's the weirdos who embrace the king. And in our culture today, let's be quite honest, a lot of folks completely reject Jesus. More people are okay with Jesus as long as we just keep him a sweet little baby who doesn't tell them what to do and doesn't interrupt their plan for their life. 
Even some of us religious people are okay with that. But we're going to have to be a little bit weird, honestly, to embrace him as the king. See, this is only good news if you, if you will see Jesus as both redeemer and ruler. Think about the confession that you make at baptism. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's both. Jesus, Savior, Redeemer, Christ, King. I learned that the hard way. I remember baptizing a college kid in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and I asked him, I said, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And as soon as I was through, there was a weirdo in our campus ministry who cornered me. He was a great guy, actually, named Robert Lingle. And Robert said, you didn't ask the question right. I said, what are you talking about? You don't just ask if he was Jesus, the Son of God. The question is to be, do you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Because he is both the Redeemer and he is the ruler. So let me ask you as we close this morning. How do you answer Jerusalem's question? Will you accept a new king in your life? Now guys, for most of us, our king's not some monarch in America. It might be some idol we have, but for most of us, if we'd really be honest, our king is ourselves. We live in a very self-centered culture that says you do what you want to do. You run your own life. Look out for number one, all those different phrases. I'm going to run my life. I don't care what God says about this. This is how I feel about this. I don't care if God told me not to do that. I'll go ahead and do what I want to do. I don't care if God's asked me to make this kind of commitment in my life. That's not the way I want to live. Here's the the really odd thing to me about this. Why wouldn't you accept a new king? I mean, how well are you doing running your own life? Going pretty good? You're doing a great job? Everything falling in place? Your self-absorption, is it really blessing you? Or is it making you miserable? And many of us, despite the fact that the path we're on of not accepting him as king, of some of us just outright rejecting some of what he says to us, some of us just sort of ignoring it and going on, it's not working, but it's just sort of all we've known. And it's comfortable might be miserable, but it's comfortable doing the same thing over and over again. And frankly, who wants to be weird? But here's the sad thing. It's not working. And if it's not working for you now, it won't work for you later. Because there will come a day when everyone, everyone will bow down before this king. And will confess his name. You're going to do it. The question is, are you going to do it now or later? So I ask you this, will you accept him as your new king? Or or, are you willing to wrestle with Jerusalem's question and accept him as king? And that brings me to today's challenge. I want to challenge you to leave this place today and pray for rain. R-E-I-G-N. Pray for the rain of God. You see, what God wants to do is he wants to rule in your life. He wants to rule in my life. Hang with me just one more minute.
What area of your life do you need to pray about the rulership of God? What's that area of your life where you go, you know, God, I know everything you said about all this, but, but this is the area that's off limit. I'm going I'm to hold on to my lustful thoughts. I'm going to hold on to my racism. I'm going to hold on to my greed for things. I'm going to hold on to my power. The list goes on and on. Where do you need to pray for rain? What, what's the one area of your life that you've not allowed Jesus to be king and ruler? Well, let's bow and pray about it, and I'm going to give you some time to lift it up before the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being willing to send your son Jesus to this earth. Thank you for this period of time that we get to think about it and celebrate it. So many wonderful things about this time of year. But Lord, please help us to not be so busy doing our thing that we ignore the truth that Jesus came not just to redeem us. We get excited about that, but he also came to rule our lives. And some of us are disturbed by that. And so this morning, Father, we want to come before you thanking you for Jesus in asking for him to be our king. And Lord, right now, we each can take some time to lift up to you at least one of the areas where we need to finally open the door and give you rulership. It might be an area we've held on for a long time. We know what you've said, but we just don't, we just don't want to obey. And Lord, I pray right now as we lift this up to you, that every imposter king will be thrown out of our hearts. Father, this Christmas we ask that we not get too busy with all the quote-unquote Christmas activities that we miss the King. We pray in his name, amen. This morning, if you need to surrender your life to Jesus King, if you need to once again affirm that he's the King of your life, if you need us to pray for you because these next few weeks are going to be difficult in your life, why don't you come right now while we stand together and sing?